Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow, rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and my co-host, Marcus Smith. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Monte Carlo Masters, where Andre Rublev took down Holger Rune in the final and won his first Masters 1000 event. We're pretty gassed up for him. And we'll also, later on in the podcast, be touching upon some of the exciting 250s going on this week in Barcelona and Munich and Bosnia, which uh, should be pretty fun. So, Marcus, initial reactions. Andre Rublev makes a massive breakthrough and uh, finally gets a Masters 1000 win. We touched upon him a little bit in the preview, and we both had him going to at least the semifinals and mentioned how good he's been playing. But still, unbelievable run from him. Yeah, he's pretty much our only correct pick from this week because every other pick we completely flamed out. No, we got Sinner. We said Sinner in the semis. We had that. Two out of we had two out of four. That is true. We did bomb out on Djokovic, uh, on Sitsipas. You bombed out. Fritz played awesome. Um, Fritz did and, play awesome. Yeah, and also we completely bombed on Daniil. I mean, Daniil, what a week! I mean, this guy was balling on the clay. If he can, I don't know. I'm not saying he's a threat or anything, but it's going to be interesting to see that he can play better on clay. But Andre had such a nice tournament. The fact that he was able to come back from being a set down in a couple of matches was really exciting to see. He's clearly a great all-court player. The lack of service pace does not hurt him as much on the clay court as it does on the hard or the grass. So he's able to get into those extended rallies. And I mean, from the baseline, I can only really name maybe two other people who hit as hard as him or as consistently as him and as dangerous from the ground off of both wings, by the way, not just uh, not just the forehand wing like most players. And then it was also really nice to see Holger Runa play super well. I think he's also going to be a threat at the clay court tournaments coming up. We had kind of slept on him a little bit. Uh, clay is clearly his superior surface at this moment, um, and he is not to be effed with. I mean, he took out a hot Yannick Sinner who we thought – I mean, once once Musetti took out Djokovic and Sinner was beaten up on Musetti, I thought, wow, this is going to be Jan's tournament to lose, to be honest with you, because I think Yannick's also a great, great clay court player. But Holger just kind of held it together. Uh, he's been playing some really good aggressive tennis. I would like to see him play even a little bit more aggressive and a little bit smarter. Obviously, he's still a little bit emotionally – shaky we'll call it that um i don't know if that's the has to do with patrick moritoglu being his coach but we'll let frankie talk about that since that's uh that's his favorite guy in the tennis world but uh awesome tournament was really nice to see all the fans coming out monte carlo apparently like broken attendance record so this was like super cool for the game yeah tournament was packed atmosphere was awesome 
I agree with basically everything that you said. I think that the real match of the tournament was that Yannick Sinner, Holger Rune semifinal. I don't know how much of that you caught, but I mean, Sinner just like whipped him in the first set. It was like 6-1, if I'm remembering right. Then they had the rain started coming down. The courts just started slowing so much. And Rune just made the adjustments. And Sinner didn't, right? And and that is something that I will give a lot of credit to Runa for. I mean, did he do his like nonsense that people get really irritated at him for in the vein of like a Sitsipas or whoever it may be? Absolutely. Like he was completely, you know, throwing the junk. But at the same time, this is the sort of thing that we have gotten on Yannick for that like he needs to push through. He needs to just be able to close out that match because this was his tournament. This was a really clear opportunity for him to win a Masters 1000, which is a, a rare thing. And he probably should have done it, but he didn't. Um, Rune just made the tactical adjustments. It was a very clear identity from him to sort of like not be slamming the ball like he normally does against every other opponent. He knew that he wasn't going to beat Yannick that way. He was just like, I'm going to hit way more topspin at like five miles an hour slower than I normally do and just push him back as much as I can and just be super consistent, especially when he saw the clay start to slow down with the with the rain. If it was a hot, sunny day, I don't really think that Runa would have been able to do what he did. But in the conditions, once he saw that to sort of have that adjustment, I think he's really smart. You got to give him credit for that. And yeah, I mean, the, the 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 talk of the week for me is is Rublev. I mean, Rublev beat everybody in his path, stayed mentally strong, which is something that I think he's been like shaky with in the past and we've noted on. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just so happy for Andre Rublev. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I am just so happy for him. He is like such a great guy on tour. All of these inside videos sort of show how much of a delight he is and how well loved he is amongst all of the players, which is really just fantastic. But I would really like to hear your opinion and thoughts about what Andre Rublev has done differently over the past few weeks and specifically on clay to make his game translate as well as it has. Yeah, his so like I mentioned before, his serve, the fact that he's not the biggest server gives him a slight advantage um, because he's able to kind of move it around the box a little bit more. He doesn't have to rely on pure pace. And the clay gives him more time to crack at the ball and take swings at it, right? So uh, obviously he's great on hard court. And I think overall, if we're talking about Andre's grand slam chances, I would prefer him at like a U.S. Open and or Australian Open in order to win something than a French Open. But clay certainly has its benefits for him just because that ball is going to be sitting up. He's able to take a full bleh, uh at the ball and um, – it's just really nice to see. He's also mixed in coming to net a little bit more, which is nice to see. His drop shot game a little bit as well. He's moving forward a lot better than what I've seen previously. Um, Holger definitely tested him with a lot of drop shots, and Andre kind of picked up on it, started coming in, felt a little bit more comfortable there. So I just think once he gets into a real rhythm, which Clay can give you, especially against these top guys who hit you know pretty rhythmically, he just has that extra kind of level of baseline power that most guys don't have minus, you know, I can name like Jan, Carlos, and and maybe Djokovic. Otherwise, I don't really see many people having that kind of consistent firepower. You forgot one like very important person. Who did I forget? Robin Soderling. 
This guy's such a clown. Uh, we love you, Robin. Um, yeah, so th- th- that's kind of my thoughts on on Andre there, Frankie. I, I think that that was really my key takeaway. I actually wanted to get your take on Medvedev and his uh, matches because he played very well. We did not expect him to go this far. And specifically that match against Zverev, who Zverev is known for being a way better clay court player, but uh, that went the distance. What did you think? Yeah, now that I think about it, maybe that was the match. This is a good tournament. There was a lot of really good matches. Even that Fritz-Rublev semifinal, that was great. With the rain, that like everything that happened, that was awesome. Shout out uh, to Fritz. American yeah, making no. a semifinal on a clay tournament. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I'm not... I, to be clear, I am not surprised that Fritz beat him. Like, I think that Fritz is a really fantastic player, as I've mentioned. I think that Steph is very clearly not healthy. Like, I think that you were correct in your assessment that he's really just not healthy. And Fritz took advantage of it. And, like, I, I think even if Steph was healthy, I, I think that he has sort of fallen behind uh, some of these other guys in terms of advancing their games. Like, I think Fritz, over the course of 12 months, has gotten a lot better than Sitsipas has, right? Like, and that, and all of these guys within the top 10, the margin is just so fine that, that makes a big difference. Um, another shout out for me, actually, before I touch upon your question, goes to Lorenzo Musetti, who plays Novak Djokovic specifically really well on clay. If you remember at the 2021 Roland Garros, he almost took down Novak Djokovic and then choked the match away and retired. But still, very impressive from Musetti. He's going to be another person that we really need to keep in the back of our heads for these clay court tournaments because him beating Novak was not some like lightning in a bottle, you know, out of nowhere. That's yeah, it was legit. not a fluke. No, he's legit. He's going to be a legit clay court baller and somebody that most of these top guys are not going to want to face in like a round of 32 if his seed is that low, for example. But to your question about Daniil, I think that's a combination of two things. I think one, Zverev is just not all the way back yet. I think give Zverev another month or two. I think he probably wins that. But Part two of this is Daniil has just gotten better on clay. I mean, he certainly looks to be moving a lot better. I think that he's realizing that he can't just sort of sit back and, you know, whale flat ball. Like he's, he's trying some sort of variety, whether it's like coming up to net, trying to take advantage of his serve, throwing in some more topspin every now and then, which I think is helpful. But I think the biggest difference for him is the movement, like the move. He just he just looked more comfortable. And that that's just simply from almost certainly spending more time on a clay court in the offseason. Like he Daniel is not stupid. Like he I'm sure like to the outside and he says it all the time, right? Like he hates clay, blah, 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 blah. But like he's not a moron. He knows that he needs to put the work in and the movement in on clay to really get his ranking to a point that's you know, he's going to be untouchable because he doesn't need to win any of these tournaments. He just needs to win like one or two matches and he gets all the points that he needs. Yeah. And this was a little of a bonus for him. And I think that if he can continue to kind of maintain this stable rate on a clay of reaching a round of 16 quarters, maybe even a semis, I think he's sweet until he gets over to the summer hard courts. And you're right. He does. Movement is the number one thing on clay, right? Everyone can hit the ball pretty well. Um, but you're right that he actually has been improving his forehand topspin 
as well. And he's been using angles a little bit more, which is something that we hadn't seen him from him previously on the clay court. He doesn't use it as much as hard because he likes to go kind of penetrate deep. Um, but his movement is a thousand times better. He's starting to use that drop shot as well. That's obviously a big theme on clay court just because that ball kind of softly lands uh, on the clay and dies a little bit more than it does on a hard court. But it's very impressive to see. I hope that he can kind of continue this pace because it's really going to help him not only just make it more entertaining just for you and me and our listeners and everyone watching, but just for him, just to make sure like, okay, he's going to remain like a top five guy. He's not going to drop off because he's been playing super well. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, a lot to look forward to. I mean, this tournament was awesome matches all over the place that were great. Uh, and I think we should honestly, you know, we weren't going to actually talk about this week's tournaments because normally we don't in between masters, but I was looking at the draws this morning, Frankie. I mean, we've got a 500 event in Barcelona. We've got a 250 event in Munich and a 250 event in Banja Luka, which is in Bosnia, which was formerly, by the way, the Belgrade Open that Djokovic was organizing, but they moved it to Bosnia. So that's why he's playing. But uh, pretty much every top dude is playing. I mean, Barcelona here, Frank, let's check this out. We've got Stefanos. Barcelona is always stacked, to be clear. Barcelona is a really well done 500 level event. Correct. And and this week we've got Stefanos, Demenauer, Sinner, Musetti, Cam Nori. We've got Casper um, Ruud, Francis Tiafo, Davidovich Fakina. Carlos is back this week, which is great to see. And then in Munich, I mean, Munich, I was actually surprised. We've got Holger, Zverev, and Taylor Fritz. And then Banja Luka, I mean, small Bosnian tournament. We've got, like, the world number one, Djokovic, uh, and Rublev. That's pretty, that's pretty much it for that one. But, like, solid solid draws this week, Frank. Like, what are we – I mean, should we just go one by one? I mean, what are we thinking? This is nuts. Yeah, we can go one by one and sort of just say who we think are the favorites there. But there is one thing I need to call you out on. Ooh, hit me. Casper Rude. Oh, that I said he would do well, and then he completely crapped the bed. Yikes! Yeah. Yikes! This, I mean, this... it's, we we're we're gonna have a larger episode about this because he's like a top tier enough player, like made two Grand Slam finals last year. That it is kind of like, uh, where is this guy? But this is bad. Like, if he's losing this early in clay season, like that is really really bad. He's got a ton of points to defend, especially at the French. So if he doesn't get his act together, yeah, this could be this could honestly throw him out of the top ten potentially. Yeah, and I mean, like, I I think that it's kind of deserved, right? I mean, it, he's just not a top eight player. He he's just not. I mean, that you can't lose this consistently and still have that. I mean, another one that sort of like comes to mind is FAA, who just like I mean, I think he's injured right now, if I'm not mistaken, but. Still, yeah. it just is super inconsistent and like randomly has these bomb outs. But yeah, it, it's it's becoming quite clear who the the cream of the crop is, and and I don't think that Casper is really there anymore. Um, but let us talk about Barcelona really quick. Uh, as Marcus mentioned, that's a really fantastic draw, really fantastic like competitors. Um, so I think I'm pretty excited to watch that it's always a really really good tournament unfortunately no rafael nadal um who is still out i don't know what rafa's schedule is going to be do you think that he plays madrid and then he just goes straight from madrid or rome into roland garros 
He's got to play at least one event before Rome I, goes. I would so think he, that I, he plays Rome. has got to be because, the minimum. Because Rome, I'm, I would say Rome over Madrid because Rome plays almost identical to Roland Garros, as yeah. close as you could get, whereas Madrid is definitely a little bit faster. So that would be my guess if I had to make one. But I don't know. I mean, this is just a little bit too long. And I think that we've seen with like Novak losing to Musetti, you can't just bomb out like that for so long and expect to win anymore. Like these guys are really, really good now, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to look on, I'm trying to figure out his schedule, but um, we can take a look at that another time. But let's review. So like I said, Barcelona, we've got Carlos, Francis, Casper. I know I'm still mentioning him. Cameron, Musetti, Sinner. And Tsitsipas, I mean, Tsitsipas and Sinner are, looks like they're they're teed up for a semifinal. I'm taking Sinner uh, all day long right now because I just don't think Tsitsipas has it in his shoulder. And I think Jan's starting to get better week by week. Uh, we do got to be careful because we do have Musetti in Sinner's um, little, little section there. So that could be a good match. But I'm, you know what I'm really interested in, Frank? I'm really interested to see how Carlos looks. After that's what I, I that's what I was about to mention. I think this tournament is really about how healthy is Carlos Alcaraz because yep. if he's healthy, I would take him to win the tournament. If he's not, then I think you probably got to give the edge to center. Like if he's consistent enough, I don't know, but yeah, I'll 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 pick Carlos there just because in Spain, I think he's going to really go for it even if he's at like 85% health and, you know, typically that's good enough for him to win most of these things, but we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, who are, who are you, who are you taking of that bunch? Ooh, I'm going to take Carlos just because it is a little hometown home tournament. And, uh, I think he's really good at tennis. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> former world number one defending U.S. Open champion, good at tennis. That's what you're here for. That's the insi- insight that the Breakpoint Podcast listeners look for. Thanks, Marcus. Well done. You're welcome. Yeah, I know. I'm, bring- I'm bringing a lot of value to this pod. All right, next. Let's go on to Munich. Who you got? Munich's a tough one. Um, Is Zverev playing Munich? Yes, he is. So it's okay. Zverev, Rune, Fritz are some of the, the, the top three players there. That's going to be – that's also a really interesting one because I think it can go either way between the three. Zverev does have a little home crowd advantage because he is German, um, although he's a little bit – He has a complicated relationship with the German public. Let's put it that way. Thank you. That is exactly what I wanted to say. Um, so – I'm actually, you know what? I'm going to go with Fritz for that tournament. I'm picking Fritz. I am to win too. It. Oh, let's I do it, too. baby. I'm with you. I was going to pick Fritz. I, I think, I think of those guys, the person that I trust to like be the most consistent is Taylor Fritz. I yeah. think he, I think he like has a really good shot of winning that tournament. And I've played uh, actually, I've played at that club where the tournament is held on that center court. Uh, it is a little bit of a quicker clay court, which I think does suit him better. And I think Runa. I don't know if Runa's going to be like, I don't know if he's ready for like to be great like every single week like this. I'm not sure. I, I like Fritz in this one. 
I feel the same way. I think that for a more seasoned player, Runa's antics just don't work. So I would pick Fritz in that matchup if it does happen. And Zverev, I think, is probably the best player there, to be clear. But I think he's just not healthy enough to make it all the way yet. I, I think he, like I said, my, and I said this to you at the beginning of the season, I think Zverev optimistically is going to hopefully be able to make a run at Roland Garros. That's optimistically. So we're still two months out, month out from that. I just don't think he's there yet. He's getting there, but he's he's not there yet. Yeah, you could tell he's getting better week by week. So that's a that's a fair assessment. But yeah, screw it. Let's go Fritz, baby. Let's do it. Uh, Frankie, talk to me about last one we've got here in Bosnia, Banja Luka. Pretty much it's going to probably be between Andre, who just won Monte Carlo, obviously. And we're going to call it, quote unquote, hometown favorite, Nole. Uh, talk to me. Also, by the way, I want to give a shout out really quick. To Abdullah Shelbaya, uh, qualifier, 19-year-old from Jordan, qualified for this tournament. Beat some seriously good players. Just want to give him a quick shout. That's awesome. I love whenever we get players that are from, you know, non-traditional tennis powers. Like Jordan, definitely not a, not a traditional tennis power. So that's awesome. Good on him. I'd also like to point out that my two surprise picks for this year have been doing quite well in the qualies and uh, 250s of Arthur Phils and uh, Luca Van Asche, who have been, who, who recently won his first match. Um, yeah. When it comes to this tournament, I have conflicting thoughts on one hand, Rublev is red hot and Novak just does not look ready. On the other hand, Winning tournaments back-to-back is really difficult, <laughs> like especially when the guy in your way is Novak Djokovic. And so I think I'm going to lean Novak, but it's not a really convictive lean, is, is my assessment. Yeah, I, I think it's actually going to be Novak for two reasons. One of them is the one that you just brought up, that it's tough to win back-to-back like that. And two... Andre actually beat Djokovic last year in Serbia for this tournament. So I think Joker is looking for a little bit of revenge, and that's going to be a lot of pressure for Andre to back that up again. So I think I think Joker wins this one. I think they're definitely playing in the final. Like, if that is not the final, that would be disappointing for pretty much everybody. But I think that's got to be the final. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's what the tournament organizers sure hope is the final. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear you. I think Rublev certainly has it in the bag, especially with Novak not being like super match crisp right now to beat him. But it's just so hard to like win two in a row. It is it is just so hard. If he, If it wasn't Novak, to be clear, if it was literally anyone else there but Novak, I would probably take Rublev, but yeah. I think because it's Novak, that's going to be a really tall task. On board, totally on board. So this is a this was just an awesome week of tennis. Again, we weren't looking to really discuss this, but once we took a look at the draws, we were like, "Wow, pretty much everyone's playing." Uh, notable people missing: Daniil is taking this week off. I think he's just going straight to Madrid. He had a long hard court season. Um, FAA. 
injured, so we don't know when we're going to see him again. I couldn't find anything on news outlets here. Uh, Rafa is out this week. He's looking – there were some reports that he might not play Madrid, so to kind of answer your question there, Frankie, uh, we can envision him playing in Rome instead. Um, hopefully he'll be – he's got to play at least Rome in order to kind of get any sort of match practice going uh, because once you know Madrid and Rome are back-to-back, and then you got a week off, and then you play the French. So that's pretty much the end of the clay court season by then. So, um, yeah, those are kind of the notable mentions. Uh, are we missing anybody who we should be? Oh, also, just as an update, FAA did release a letter on the four, like two weeks ago, saying that he's skipping Monte Carlo because of his knee, and he's hoping to uh, play Monte Car- uh, play Madrid. Okay, is his target. So Perfect. we'll see. We should see him back from Madrid, but. Yeah, I, I I think I think like this just bef- before we wrap it up. Uh I I think that this week has sort of shown why a the clay season is my favorite season of the year personally, but it it is mainly because of something that I said actually at the start of the year in our preview podcast, which is there are so many players on tour that are good on clay. Like it is just a wide open field with a ton of guys who just are ballers on clay. And it is something that we haven't appreciated for about 20 years on the tour because of some guy from Spain named Rafael Nadal, who Marcus would probably describe as good as tennis yes, and specifically good on clay. He's solid on clay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Christ. Um, But it's really nice to have parody at these tournaments again. You know what I mean? Like that's something that you and I, for example, have never really had like with Rafa dominating like this, you know? So it's cool to have this back. And I think that it's really like an exciting, you know, time to watch tennis and specifically clay. It's, it's really, really good. The level's really, really high. And we've got a bunch of players like Sinner and Alcaraz and Musetti and, you know, maybe even Daniil, who knows that are really good on almost every surface. Yeah. Thinking about it, actually, the clay season actually opens it up way more than the usual hardcourt season does, in my opinion, by far. I mean, so many more players that are available who can play way better on clay. And, you know, Musetti takes out Djokovic, you know, Runa wins Monte Carlo or makes the final of Monte Carlo. Just like you wouldn't really predict that for some of the hardcourt masters, um, yeah. which I is mean, incredible. That's, that's what I was trying to say to you with Novak at the beginning of the year with the predictions is that like I don't think that there's nearly as many people that could beat Novak on a hard court as there are that can beat him on a clay court. There's just so much more competition. Yeah. I mean, it's his worst surface, which is ridiculous to say because he's... Worst, quote-unquote. Yeah, quote-unquote. He's also pretty good at tennis, by the way. He's solid. He's not a bad player. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here at the Breakpoint Podcast. Uh, please send in your applications for new co-host because losing out on Marcus here. So you could send that to at breakpointpodcast7 at gmail.com and let me know, please. Hopefully your insight is better than good at tennis. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening, all the support. Really, uh, we, we do we do genuinely appreciate it so much. And uh We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any ideas, anything like that, please shoot us a DM. We'd love to have you on.